Hello again, and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me, if he were in a country band, he'd be the guy with the handlebar mustache playing the whip, Whoppa, Ben Rupel. How's it going, Brian? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, how was your day today? It was awesome. It was great. Nice little drive down here. The sun's shining. The birds are singing. Life is good. I like it. So uh, for those who have never listened to us before, welcome. And for those who are listening to us again, thank you very much. We are a true crime podcast. Everything we say here has been researched to be true and factual as much as we can find it. We take the lives of musicians, musical people, people in the music industry, and uh, basically just sort of track them as they progress and become successful. And then... A lot of them make choices about crime and mischief, and we highlight those as well and put a little humorous twist on it. That's what we do here. So if you appreciate that, please uh, tell your friends, stick around. If you want to help us even more, please go to iTunes and review us or uh, leave a comment or two and subscribe. If you want to help even more than that, if you're so inclined, you can go to patreon.com backslash crime and music and uh, show some donation support that way. Basically, just find us at Crime and Music anywhere you want to interact with us, or if you wish to interact with me personally, I am on Twitter at Brian J. Kinsley. Let us know what you guys like to hear, if you like the show, if you have any ideas for new people or uh, musicians, people in the music industry we should highlight, let us know. All right, that sounds good. And who are we talking about today, Brian? Today is a fun one. Today bring up his picture so you can see i like seeing the people that we're talking about <laughs> it does make it easier when you have a visual this guy looks like my dad yeah it well uh, i mean he's about the same age i see more tattoos it's the double gun salute there uh david allen co david allen co all right i are, like david I, I mean i used to like david allen co a lot are you familiar with david allen co well, I think growing up listening to country and listening to a little, you know, country western stuff, you had a lot of big names back in the day with Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings and the Highwaymen and Willie Nelson. Dave Allen Cole always got thrown in there. And uh, it wasn't, I think, until I was in high school, somebody brought some, <laughs> I don't know, again, don't know a lot about Dale Allen, but they brought some like, hey, listen to this David Allen Cole song. I was like, this guy, seriously? They played him on the radio and he's doing this now? He it's tends like, to push the boundaries. Oh my gosh! As I, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, spoiler alert. But that <laughs> guy. Well, here we go. David Allen Coe, born September sixth, nineteen thirty-nine, in Akron, Ohio. Uh, he's got some parents. His hey, is this a second Ohio boy? You've, oh no, that was New York. All right. No, yeah, yeah. Rick James, for those who listened to episode one, was uh, from Buffalo, New York. So we're basically starting in the Midwest. I mean, yeah, that's, we're just gonna go over a couple one state at a time. Well, it's we where we Pennsylvania. are. We'll do Mr. Rogers next weekend. We'll get into Fred Rogers. Um, I'm sure he counts as probably a singer. Well, he's an entertainer. A poet. <laughs> so uh, he's born to Dorothy Ruth Wilson, and she was born in Pennsylvania. So his mother's from, from Pennsylvania. She uh, has no recorded death date. So as far as my math, she's born on June 23rd, 1905. She's 113. All right. Oh. <laughs> Longevity, Longevity in this family. Cool. Uh, his dad's name is Donald Mahan Co. Jr. Also, I like the name Donald. Oh, I thought you were going to go for Mahan, but like Donald. Mayhem? Well, kind of like that. M-A-H-A-N. Mahan. 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 Jr. For all you Midwesterners. Mahan. <laughs> Mahan. Uh, of Akron, Ohio, also. He, he's uh, retired from the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Factory after 28 years as a tire company worker. 
Yeah, that was a big thing down there back then. I mean, it still is today. I think Ohio makes a lot of tires. That's the Rust Belt, man. That's that's what we do. Uh, he died August 9th, 1986 in Richmond, Indiana, on the road with David at uh, 71 years of age. Cardiopulmonary arrest, respiratory disease, chronic obstruction pulmonary disease, according to Jeffrey B. Quillen, M.D. All right, Dr. Brian here. Um, so uh, what year was that? He was 71 years old in what year? Uh, 1986. 86. That's a while ago. 71. Young man. All right. Well, Probably. he it sounded like he had some uh, cardiac issues. So, uh, what do you People didn't do? live forever back then like they do today. It was 1986. What are you talking about? It wasn't that. I mean, that's a long time ago, man. Not like they were using like rock tools and stuff, dude. He could have, I mean, he could have eaten better, probably laid off the red meat, maybe, you know, jogged a little, even though that wasn't as cool back in the 80s. Oh, and he's touring with his son, David Allen Coe. I don't think he was pro- <laughs> a clean think, You life. know what? That's probably true. There's probably some partying going on. Yo, there. when my son starts playing out in stadiums that host more than 20,000 people, I'm going to probably die at 71 as well. <laughs> All right. Partying backstage. Uh, David has a brother, Jack. And um, now my research differs here, which, again, most of David Allen Coe and, and Rick James, these, these people who party hard, have sketchy details about their lives. I think I would like to keep as many details sketchy about my life, from regardless of how hard I party. From what so his says. name's David and his brother's name's Jack. Yeah, you got David and Jack Co. They, tr- they really tried real hard. At least you could, you know how to spell those. It's not a stretch, but he's got two sons, uh, two daughters, and apparently an ex-wife and a wife. So he's got he's got a little family there. He did he did. That's a weird Christmas. <laughs> Uh, his childhood, David was a product of an unhappy and broken home um, because he showed signs of early antisocial attitude, and uh, he spent some time in reform school in Michigan. Reform? What's a reform school? Well, we'll get to that. He spent several uh, in several different facilities. You know, he, he'd get out, he'd do something, he'd go back in. Um, he got a lot of trouble for car theft and possession of burglary tools, things like that. What? I've heard that term before. Possession of burglary tool or burglar burglary tools. Well, yeah. I am in possession of burglary tools. Like I got a screwdriver and a saw, a drill. Right. I don't have a lockpick set. Unless the bobby pins count. Because, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I carry those. Well, you got a, that hair, I mean. No a handlebar I, mustache. <laughs> people have said that though. I've actually had that from a police officer who pulled me over. I was coming out of a job where I worked in a shop. And I had tools in my car. And he said that. He's like, why do you have all these tools in your car? Like, I work in a shop. That's my job is to fix things. I use tools. They actually called my boss to make sure because the police officer was like, I saw this kid coming out of the back of this building and he had this bag of tools with him. Can we re- can maybe a, one of our subscribers could research this and send us like what, quote unquote, are burglary tools? Can I see it? Maybe a screenshot, a picture. Do we have any burglars out there? Oh, what constitutes burglary tools from a professional aspect? I'd like to, aspect? you know, let us know what you think about burglary tools. I'd like to, I might have to get some. I Something on an eBay kit of, like, my first burglary tool set. Can I Google this? You can totally Google that. that, all, that right. I'm sure. all right, go ahead. Tell us about David and Cole. Well, all right. It doesn't, I mean, yes, he had some issues with burglary tools in his possession. Whether he burgled with them or not is a turd burglar. Burgle. It just makes me think of the hamburglar. So anyway, uh, he went to the Star Commonwealth for Boys Reform School, which is headquartered in Albion, Michigan. Hey, our friend Scott went to Albion, Michigan. He did. We are and Dan Dor- and Dan Dan D. 
it was founded by a guy named Floyd Starr in 1913, and he had 40 acres of scrub that he wanted to dedicate to be a refuge for homeless, dependent, neglected, and delinquent boys. That's what this guy had money to do was like, that's, that's noble. It's a huge foundation, man. I guess that's noble. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I if I had all the money in the world, that's not what I'd do. No, that's what he wanted to do, though. Um, Floyd Starr, he's got, it's in 55 countries around the world, and they've got tons of locations around Michigan. Now, when you search their website for David Allen Co., absolutely nothing comes up. <laughs> They've distanced themselves as far as they can. <laughs> yeah, in the Star Commonwealth Foundation, you will not find mention of, of David Allen Co. So uh, he spends the next 20 years in and out of several correctional facilities. If you'd like to run down here, let me, let me see if I can do this. Not in one breath, but maybe two. Age 14, he's at the Boys Industrial School. Age 16, he's at the National Training School for Boys. Age 17, he's in Lewisburg Penitentiary, Ohio. Uh, age... That does not sound like a, like a boys' training school. Penitentiary pen- kind of puts a little bit more of an emphasis on it. Uh, age 18, he's at the Chillicothe Reformatory. Age... Uh, it's Chillicothe. If you know that, that's good. What was that name again? Chillicothe. It's Ohio. It doesn't matter, Ryan. Just to let people know, we're going to mispronounce a lot of things in this podcast. Especially if you're from Ohio, because it really doesn't matter. And here we go, age 19. Is it Lima or Lima State Hospital? Lima. I think it's Lima, Ohio. Like Lima beans. Right. So age 19, Lima State Hospital for observation. Age 20 to 21 and 23, he spends time in the Ohio State Reformatory. Ohio. Age 25, he's in the Marion Correctional Institute, well, 25 through 27. Chillicothe. I think you're right. I think, I think it's, it's Chillicothe. Chillicothe. And then while he's in Ohio State Penitentiary, allegedly, just to highlight that word, a fellow inmate made sexual advances towards young David. Uh, and so for demanding a blowjob, David kills him. I, I no problem with that. I'm just saying I don't want to have any sexual acts performed on me or with me that against my will. <laughs> Especially not in the uh, state penitentiary of Ohio. Too bad he didn't have those burglary tools with him because I'm looking at him right now. He could have hit him in the head with a hammer. That's, see, no. Uh, well, even if he did. So he claims self-defense. Now, this is, I'm going to put this out there. This is all according to encyclopedia.com. He claims self-defense, but he's sentenced to death. He's sentenced to death for killing a guy for trying to have sex with him? That's, that's what he claims. Huh. So, different, while, different era. While he's on death row, he's reun- reunited with his foster father, who was also convicted of murder. <laughs> I guess it runs in the genes. Well, or not even. That's, I, thought it, I, I thought you had to be more like moral and upstanding to be a foster parent. I guess I don't really know the system that well. Yeah. I don't think I don't I don't I bet there's a lot of foster kids out there that would disagree with that state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry guys. I don't I don't know. Um all right, so Co uh found time during his various prison stays to learn the guitar. So while he's on death row, he and his foster father write songs to occupy their time. This guy, I'm I'm just looking at some pictures of this guy. I, I he kind of looks like a guy I'd like to hang out with if I was a million years old. Cuz he's he, he's got long hair, a couple of them he's got some like not dreads, maybe, but he, he just looks hardcore. He seems I, I mean, like a wise old hippie. Like you would talk that to is him. A wig. And, and he that's would a wig. That's he's, a wig. He's piece. wearing a wig in yeah. that picture. But he's got the Captain Lou Albano stuff in his like goatee and beard. 
Yeah, yeah, and he looks he looks like he like to have some fun. You gotta appreciate that. This man, how we're, how do we already just uh, say how old he is now? He's like, oh, now he's in his seventies. Yeah, I think he's still doing stuff. He is. We'll get there. All right. All right. So now, uh, as we continue I on, this. I can't keep touching that screen. No, I'm gonna show you more things. You oh, need okay. to stay focused. All right. So David also serves time with a guy called Screaming Jay Hawkins, and that's Screaming Jay Hawkins. There, I'm showing Ben a picture. He's got a bone through his nose. Yeah, he's kind of known as, well, we'll get into it. This is a guy who encourages um, David to write some songs. And is scream- he into voodoo? Screaming Jay Hawkins is an American singer, songwriter, a musician, and actor. He used creepy stage props, and so he's kind of like the pioneer of shock rock and Alice Cooper and those type of dudes. You might know him. His famous song is, I'll, I Put a Spell on You. I Put a Spell on You. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. He, and, and just to give the audience here a little idea of who this guy is, He's a very dark black guy with a bone through his nose. He's, he's got a voodoo look. Very. He's voodoo. holding a skull that may or may not be impaled on a stick. Well, it's like a skull There's staff. There's a snake around his neck, and he's, I think, I think he has some shiny teeth. Like, the, what is, yeah, he's got some, I mean, this is bad teeth. But this guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy's doing his best to look scary. Well, he's known. He's known for that, you know. I mean, and so this is who this is who um, David Allen Coe was serving DAC, time with. Dak Dak decides to spend his time. Yeah, with? DAC was in prison, and he happened to serve time with this guy. And he's like, "Dude, you should write some songs. I wrote some songs. Let me tell you about it." So that to get into, I put on a spell on you. It was re- originally envisioned as a as a ballad. They wanted it to be like a nice, refined ballad. But the entire band showed up drunk at the recording session. Nailed it. And uh, Hawkins himself is screaming and grunting and gurgling all the way through it. And uh, they say he uttered through the tune with drunken abandon. And so it was no ballad. I mean, it was, quote, a raw and guttural track that became his greatest commercial success, selling millions of copies. Yeah, I'll disagree. I think it was a lovely song. It was. But see, here's the thing. Hawkins blacked out, and he didn't remember the recording session, so he had to relearn the song from listening to the recording of what they did the night before. I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, this guy, well, the, he's my spirit animal. The label releases a second version, removing all the grunts and groans and stuff, because the first one was too sexual, and honestly, from what I hear, it's still banned in certain areas. Certain areas of what? Well, certain areas of the world, I guess. All right. Too sexual. So now, continuing with, according to Encyclopedia.com, uh, David Allen Coe's on death row, right? Then. Right. Yeah. But, but well, clearly he gets off of death row, right? Well, yes. Or he's still on it. He's Alleg- not dead. He's still alive. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Um, before their sentences could be carried out, him and his foster father, Ohio repeals the death penalty. Yeah, they are a right to live state. Is that not convenient? Especially if you're there. So uh, it's commuted to a life sentence, so he's not on death row. He takes a greater interest in playing his music, and he starts playing uh, for fellow inmates. He starts doing shows at the prison. And the parole board likes what he's doing, and they're like, this is very productive. So he's freed in 1967. That still feels bad. It It is a long time ago. You and I weren't born yet. No, not even close. So he's out of prison in 1967. He moves to Nashville uh, to start his country music career. He's homeless, so what does he do? Do you know this story? 
No. What? If, if if this guy killed a man for trying to give a blowjob, <laughs> and now he's doing blowjobs on the street for money, I'm going to be mad because that was not worth it. No, uh, he's just uh, living in the back of a red Cadillac hearse outside of uh, the Ryman Auditorium, which is known as the mother of or Church of Country Music, which the Grand Old Opry used to be. So the Grand Old Opry was a Ryman Auditorium. Correct. Ryman. R- uh, Rhyme, rhyming Auditorium. Ray, Rayman, Ryman, R R Y M A N, Ryman. You know what Ryman spell is, it, it sounds like? Sounds Hi- like Hyman. Hyman. Hey, if we don't sound a little misogynistic during this podcast, <laughs> then we're not giving David Allen Coe his props. You, you be you. <laughs> right, so he would sit outside in this bright red Cadillac hearse, and uh, he'd play songs. But his songs were all super raw and gritty about prison life, and they were generally considered too graphic. So uh, he's out there sitting, right? And he's playing his songs and stuff, and he's hoping somebody hears him day after day after day. So 1970, he signs with... SSS International Records, owned by Shelby Singleton. So, SSS. It's actually Singleton Sound Studios. All right, that's that's a good name. That's easy true. to remember. They released two albums. First one was eleven cuts, uh, blue songs, ten of which were written and co-written by David Allen Coe. So he's recording these in Nashville. Yes. And so, and then the one a lot of people have heard of is called Penitentiary Blues. He's got songs like. Cell number 33 and Walking Bum, One Way Ticket to Nowhere, things about prison life, you know? What was walk, Walking Bum? Yeah, Walking Bum. Do you know the meaning of that? I did not get in. I didn't get that deep into the catalog. All right. Walking Bum. I want to look that. I'm like, go ahead. Yeah. No. Penitentiary, boo- <clears throat> Penitentiary Blues, discussing themes like blood tests for which veins to inject your heroin, uh, prison time. Had things like they called it hoodoo imagery and death imagery, like very macabre stuff was in this first. There, this that was in his. Fr- that was in those first couple albums that he recorded in Nashville. Yep. Uh, this one guy, Tom Jurek of All Music, described it as is thoroughly enjoyable as a rowdy, funky, and crude blues record, full of out of tune guitars, slippery performances, and an attitude of "fuck it, let's get it done and get out." Oh, I like I like the theory. <laughs> that tour they did with Grand Funk Railroad. Hey, that's a little place, Michigan, right? Grand yeah. Funk was yeah, at, after Grand Trunk. That's the rail line. Yeah. October 1971, he signs with Windows Publishing Company in Nashville. They're now a computer company. Uh, if so, he's in for a lot of money, but I don't think they're the same people. Uh, he developed a cult following, but he couldn't break into the mainstream. You know, he had trouble kind of taking these gritty prison songs and stuff, so he started writing songs for other people. So, in 1972, he wrote a song called Souvenirs and California Memories, and it was sung by Billy Joe Spears. Billy Joe Spears? I don't, I don't, was he ever in California? I mean, is he just right, pulling shit out of his ass and kind of right, trying to make some money? Yeah, I mean, trying to get a like, job right, in that hearse? He can't, he can't, uh, he can't break it himself, so he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to cash in and start writing tunes for other people. So in 1973, he writes, Would You Lay With Me, uh, also known as Would You Lay With Me in a Field of Stone, sung by Tanya Tucker, becomes a number one hit. Tanya Tucker. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, I mean, he was trying to make money, and he found a few people to give his song or sell his songs to. Well, right. Um, there, in 1977, Johnny Paycheck releases a, a cover of David Allen Coe's song, Take This Job and Shove It. Yeah, Johnny Paycheck. We should. I think. I I think we got a. Oh, you'll hear about Johnny Paycheck again. Season two, eh? Season two, perhaps. Yeah. No, he just 
shoots a guy in the head with a twenty two and sort of skims his skull. But, Johnny uh, Paycheck, we'll get David back Allen to, Coe. We'll get to Johnny Paycheck later. Uh, that's the number one hit, and David Allen Coe's like sort of most successful credit. Well, I think back then it, that that song, that theory, that take that j- take this jab and shove it, was a a, a thing that that society back then was going to glom onto. It was a great just one line thing because everyone was in the manufacturing automotive industry it was specifically about the automotive work industry working on the line and it was coming into that time where people were beginning to feel like they were underpaid and overworked unions weren't as strong as they were at one point and they were and and that song i think is probably one of the bigger high points of of his writing career what was his name again screaming Screaming jay Jay hawkins Hawkins. yeah google that (laughs) if you like the voodoo that's that's the hoodoo that you do so well. Uh, fun fact about David Allen Coe. He had the first, well, country's first all-female backup band called the Ladysmiths. He had an all-backup female band? All-female all backup, female band. backup band. Yeah, called the Ladysmiths. Now, David Allen had a quote about them. He's like, quote, not only was it an all-girl group, but they were all from New Jersey. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, you know those New Jersey girls. Well, oh, I, I, what, there's got to be some context there. <laughs> there was, there was absolutely no context. That well, was just his quote about the Ladysmiths. I'm gonna assume that he either was saying something good or bad about them. Well, let me tell you this: Coe also claimed to have as many as uh, seven wives, and once claimed allegiance to the Mormon Church to sort of justify the polygamy. <laughs> All right, if I didn't think this guy was crazy from what I knew about him, that def- that definitely tells me he's a nut because anybody that wants seven wives? Oh, dude. Well, I, yeah, sorry ladies. I mean, um, seven? you don't want you don't want seven husbands and you know it. So don't <laughs> pretend like this is just one-sided. <laughs> I, I'm doing good to, to keep track of one wife. I'm sure the Mormons were super pumped too to have the uh, allegiance of David Allen Coe in their system. <laughs> yeah. The Mormons are looking for some good press, so they hired this guy. His name's David Allen Coe. Let's maybe get him can, on our side. Maybe he can write a public publicity piece for us. He'll be on the spaceship. So uh, people noticed David Allen Coe's writing. That Tanya Tucker thing was big. And uh, he signs with Columbia Records. He releases his first major album called The Mysterious Rhinestone Cowboy. The Mysterious Rhinestone Cowboy. The Mysterious Rhinestone Cowboy. Oh, he wore a mask. Oh, he, it's very mysterious. You don't even know that it's him, had I not told you. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody knew who did. Not back then. Well, then. The mysterious bo- rhinestone cowboy is, is a cowboy dressed up in rhinestones wearing a mask. Oh, hold on. We'll get there. And his second album, The Mysterious Rhinestone Cowboy, rides again. <laughs> Way to be original. So the question is, the, what's the deal with the mysterious rhinestone cowboy? I'm sure you remember Mel Tillis. I'm going to be honest with you here, Brian. Don't know who the hell that is. This is Grand Old Opry, Mel Tillis. He's Country Music Entertainer of the Year many times. He's a top 10. He's got tons of top 10 hits. The dude is a country music legend. He does not look like he spent any time in jail. He No, he probably didn't. This dude's no. squeaky clean. Wow. So anyway, <laughs> he gives David a complete rhinestone suit with the matching rhinestone Lone Ranger mask, a.k.a. the mysterious rhinestone cowboy. Yeah, this guy does not look like a cowboy at all. This this Mel Mel Tillis? Yes. No, he looks like a pastor. Like yeah, well, 
we're okay. gonna get bombarded by Mel Tillis fans, I'm sure. But no, I, I, a... I'm, I'm I'm bombarded. No, Mel Tillis looks like a stand-up gentleman. That's what I'm saying, though. But he's, he's got blue the guy. eyes and white hair. He knows how to play the guitar. He wears a nice suit. And then he gave a suit to David Allen Coe. Well, if you if you see the image, guys, if you look up uh, Tillis, he's in usually in a blue, like a powder blue suit with rhinestones all over it. He's kind of an older gentleman with white hair. Kind of skinny. Yeah. he's He looks like a stand-up guy. I, I like this guy. guy. I mean, I don't want to hang out with him. He doesn't look like a lot of fun, but I'll no. hang out with David Allen Coe a little bit. So now, David Allen Coe... Uh, after being the mysterious rhinestone cowboy, he moves to Key West, Florida. I love Key West, Florida. I know you do. Uh, now, dig this out. You'd like it even more if you lived with who David Allen Coe lived with. He lives with Shel Silverstein and Jimmy Buffett. He lived with Jimmy Buffett? I thought you were going to pick up on Shel Silverstein. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I thought, I, I, I don't know a lot here, but I, 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 I thought him and Jimmy Buffett got in a fight. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> oh no, I I knew uh, Shell. I know, yeah, the 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 Giving Tree and all that crap. Yeah, or whatever. Shell Silverstein. For those who don't know, he's a cartoonist. He writes songs and children's books. He actually wrote a Loretta Lynn song, "Put Another Log on the Fire." You know that one? Oh, Shell. He did that. Yeah, put another log on the fire. So, do you want to hear this sidebar? You want to know how me I up know some bacon how and I know some beans? I, I grew up in the in the in the late seventies, early eighties, my childhood years. And Shel Silverstein was, you know, had a lot of children's stuff going on then, right? Oh, yeah. I knew him from Playboy. What? Dude, you know Tom. Well, that's not the point, but <laughs> what play, did he do cartoons he for Playboy? Did cartoons for Playboy. I, I did swear not know to God that. he did. That... Or he had stuff in Playboy. Shel Silverstein is maybe another one we uh, send off to another podcast to do because he's got some interesting stories from what I've researched. Just being attached to David Allen Coe and Jimmy Buffett and uh, some other he, things we'll get into. He comes back around later in the story. I bet he did drugs. I think he probably did a I lot of drugs. Is he still alive? I don't know. If he if he's dead, can we burn? Can we smoke his ashes? I you might not be able to. People might have beat you to it. He was very famous. No, I, 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 he was a he was an artist. He also wrote. Uh, he wrote for Johnny Cash. He wrote Twenty Five Minutes to Go about the Death Row oh, story. Shell Silverstein. Shell Silverstein and Topper. He wrote A Boy Named Sue. No. Yep. Shell Silverstein. You just turned my world up on end. I'm just saying. So, David Allen Coe's living with that dude, and Jimmy Buffett. For those, I find it hard to believe people wouldn't know, but Jimmy Buffett is the king of the parrot heads. The, the Margaritaville guy. Cheeseburger in paradise. Yeah, I'm gonna have burgers tonight. By the way. Wow. Oh no, I'm having no chicken wings tomorrow night. Burgers. Burgers in paradise. So uh, he's living in Key West with Silverstein and Buffett. And what year is this? This is uh, ish. You stumped me. It, it's after his rhinestone cowboy years, so it's got to be somewhere in the 70s. Okay, late late 70s, early early mid 70s. Oh, early mid. Okay. Yep. So Silverstein plays. Uh, David, one of his comedy albums, and that inspires David Allen Coe to start writing comedy records. And that's sort of when Jimmy Buffett and David get into it, because Jimmy at the time accuses David of stealing the melody of one of his songs, Divers Do It Deeper, and quote Jimmy Buffett, I would have sued him, but I didn't want to give Coe the pleasure of having his name in the paper. That sounds like something you'd tell your friend just to be a dick. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is. Do you think they're still friends today? Uh, well, we'll get back to or that, we'll, too. We'll it all that. comes back around. <laughs> so if you guys want to hear Divers Do It Deeper, it's off the uh, Changes in Attitude, Changes in Latitude record for Jimmy Buffett. And that, yeah, Jimmy Buffett. And all. then you can listen to David Allen Coe's early records and see if you can figure out which song he stole. So I'm still not clear. Did um, Vanilla Ice ever get sued? No, it goes din 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 din, whereas the original goes din 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 din. din. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So, in response to uh, one of Jimmy Buffett's songs, David writes uh, a song insulting Jimmy Buffett on the album "Nothing Sacred," which you can only purchase by mail order in 1978 through the back pages of Easy Rider Biker Magazine. See, again, a thing I think a friend would do to a friend just to be a dick. Because <laughs> I'd do that to you, man. Oh, thanks, I would, dude. I would, I would air our dirty laundry in the back of a biker magazine if I could. In 1978, <laughs> there's probably high readership. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, Brian Kinsley's a dick. I had to take that ad out. <laughs> it was a two-inch ad in Biker Magazine. Thank God for Twitter. Okay, so now David Allen Co. releases two underground albums that are only available by mail order. And one of them is kind of fun. It's called Texas Moon. And on the uh, cover, they've got a picture of the entire band, kind of Donald ducking it, like nobody's wearing pants, and like just an ass shot, hence Texas Moon. Ah, so these are all mail-order albums only. Correct. So and you, you have to send like money in, oh, clip yeah. out a thing in the back of a magazine. In the back of a magazine. <laughs> like, next, right. there's x-ray glasses, David Allen Coe stuff. Da- and then make a sea hoverboard monkeys. out of a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, X-Ray Specs, Sea Monkeys, David Allen Co. Sold in the back of Boy's Life. It's boy's Life. I was just thinking <laughs> that, too. Like, I don't remember that in the subscription. But uh, in uh, that album in 1979, there was actually a note that came with your album that said, Jimmy Buffett doesn't live in Key West anymore. Oh, he is pulling. He's just giving Jimmy Buffett the shit. He's trying to. Well, I mean, imagine it's like your ex-roommate. So you know a bunch of shit about this dude, and you're just poking him and poking him <laughs> and, and so, poking him. <laughs> I, if it was me and about David Allen Cohen, you're my buddy Jimmy Buffett. I'd be like, hey, I'm gonna do this album. I'm gonna sell it in the back of a magazine, and every fucking one, I'm gonna put in a little letter in it where I'll make fun of you. <laughs> and, and I would probably reach over, hit you a little bit. And they're like, all right, how do you, how do you want your steak cooked here? I yeah, mean, right. Yeah, I'll like, give you a beer. Oh, that'd be fun. What a douche. <laughs> yeah, it's all I'd look at. Just, why are you being a douche? Come on, man. <laughs> then everyone that comes out, just churning out more. Like, dude. So it makes you wonder, though, are, are these people really, they hate each other, or are they just having fun and doing stupid shit? Do oh, we- no, we'll get to it. I mean, that's that's the phrase of the day. Jimmy Buffett comes back around in David Allen Coe's story. So, uh, 1982, he releases another independent record, uh, oddly called Underground Album. So, it's an underground album called Underground Album. What was the last one called? Well, he had one called Texas Moon. Oh, that Texas Moon, but uh, that was kind of underground, too. Yeah, I mean, nothing, it was... nothing Sacred was his first underground album. Okay. So, uh, the Underground Album contains uh, his most controversial song, and you've been waiting the whole time this podcast has been started to get up to it, because this is, if you're into it, you know what's going to happen with David Allen Co. Oh, boy. He writes a song called Fucker. But uh, it's a song about uh, his girlfriend who leaves him for a black man. He's Now, David Allen Co.'s successful at this point in his life. I would say so. I mean, I mean he's mean, making money. People know his name. 
Oh, he's a very popular songwriter. He's like, he's writing songs for uh, class uh, like number one singing. Uh, yeah, mega uh, hits, mega hits. And he decides. I mean, can you imagine a, a a musician doing this today? Well, here's the kicker: is well, there's two of them. One, Shel Silverstein is the co-author of that song, and uh, two, he actually catches a racist label for writing that song. <laughs> I can't. <I'm... laughs> The audacity of society. So David Allen Cole responds. He goes, quote, anyone who hears this album and says I'm a racist is full of shit. And what was the name of the what was the name of the song? Ah, fucker. All right. He used the N word. I'm just saying. Yeah. And to just to take a lyric from that song to think I licked the pussy where that big black dick had been. I don't think any of us have, you know, past the age of 30 woken up any morning and thought that exact same thing i know um <laughs> no, no no brian no, no now see here's the thing though david allen co had another part is he's like my drummer carrie brown he's black and he's married to a white woman and so is carrie brown's dad clarence gatemouth brown also married to a white woman and he was black so apparently david thinks he has a hood pass <laughs> so, i got a black friend it's okay that's pretty much what he's saying. He's like, no, I have a black friend, and his father's black, so double no, black I'm, to you. My sister's gay. I'm, I'm good. good. We're it's good. Okay. I can make fun of everybody now and be a dick. <laughs> All right, good for Dave Alenko. He's claiming that's, that he's What do you call good. that? A hood pass? A hood pass. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> like, they let him fly on it, I guess. Of course, he does hang out in Ohio in Key West, so I don't quite know the, the black populations there. Well, I mean, Ohio's pretty. I mean, there's a lot of black people live in Ohio. I don't know about Key West. I was I, I was on a boat in the middle of the water one time, drunk. That's all really I know about Key West. There weren't a lot of white people around. No, see, when I was in Key West, I was surrounded by white people and Hispanics. So, but whatever. Jeez, Brian, this took a racial turn. Yeah, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> of course not. So in his later years, to catch up with David Allen Coe, because you'd figure now he's getting into his 70s and he's, he's getting better. All right, in his later years, in the 1980s, he has a resurgence with two top 10 hot country singles, The Ride, which is a song about a drifter who meets the ghost of Hank Williams, and uh, one called Mona Lisa Lost Her Smile. Those are popular songs. I those mean, those, are, those have been around for a while now. That's correct. Yeah. And then in the 90s, he pairs up with the Pantera guard guitarist, Dimebag Daryl. Huh. If you don't know, Pantera is a, uh, it's Spanish for panther. So. <laughs> it means the Nino. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Nino. <laughs> no, Pantera is a uh, heavy metal group that plays heavy metal and rock music. Well, they, they used to. They do. Well, him and Dimebag Daryl team up, and they work on some album together because Dimebag was kind of like raw and aggressive in metal, and David Allen Coe's like raw and aggressive in country. So they made what they call a metal country album. Um, it actually came out after Dimebag sort of passed away. Um, so, so he he sort of passed away. Well, he's dead, but I didn't want to be cold about it because he's did he you didn't you do anything cold? wrong here. Did you say cold? I did, <laughs> dude. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, Co tours around after that stuff. He's tours with like Kid Rock. He even wrote a song on one of Kid Rock's albums called "Single Father." Um, he's collaborated with D 
Dimebag Daryl. We were talking about Vinnie Paul. Uh, he's doing video appearances in Johnny Cash's video, God's Gonna Cut You Down. And this is kind of recent stuff. I mean, these are... these are. Yeah, this was the yeah. 90s. Yeah, this is recent. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, 1990, his contract with Columbia Records comes to an end. So he's kind of out of a job. He's got a bad divorce. The IRS seizes his Key West house. In comes Jimmy Buffett, because Jimmy Buffett won't return his phone calls. Friend check. And uh, <laughs> he's tossed out on the streets. So what is a man to do? He lives in a cave in Tennessee. A cave in Tennessee. He lives in a cave in Tennessee, allegedly. He looks nothing like Fred Flintstone. Fred, which, who did not live in a cave. He had a rock house. So he got a divorce, nasty divorce, nasty gave divorce. all of his money. To, and do you think there's any part of him that started to regret some of the decisions he might have made in choosing some <laughs> of the song lyrics that he recorded? Whether they were under, what, what, what was the term we called some of the albums? Underground, underground albums? Underground yeah. or Outlaw Country. And who was, who was the recording uh, uh, studio that wouldn't re-sign them? Columbia? Columbia. Yeah, I'm sure Columbia's like, all right, when is it? Is, is, is he almost over? He, he, he used the N-word. Well, we can't have now, this guy. see, that's what I'll, I'll, I'll just briefly go ahead. Somewhere in, like, before 1997, there's a quote from his website from David Allen Coe. It says, over the years, people have gotten the impression that I'm prejudiced. Sure, I have this thing about controversy, but I don't dislike anybody because of their skin color, sexual beliefs, or whatever. I, I don't, I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw this out here right now. I think the guy was a little racist. A little bit. A little racist. A little bit. Maybe didn't like women that much either. A little misogynistic. <laughs> kind of, kind of a, kind of a dick. He was kind of a southern traditionalist, maybe we say. I've heard a few of his songs that may have not fit into mainstream perspective. Uh, no. Those, there's some albums out there that are strictly for private listening only. <laughs> You, which you can find on YouTube, by the way. Oh, for certainly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just out there. So, okay. You'd think that David Allen Coe is done having his issues with being uh, incarcerated and in and out of prisons and jails and stuff. But we get to June 2008. He's at the Prairie Meadows Racetrack and Casino in Altoona, Iowa. And uh, Coe's playing the slots, right? Mm -hmm. He hits jackpot. Big, big, big money. Hits big money, right? And he tells his girlfriend, well, now it's his wife, his second wife, you wait here for the guy to come for the payout, and he just keeps moving down the line playing the slots machines, right? Well, workers come and tell his girlfriend that if you watch the security video, Coe's the guy who pushes the button, so he has to be there to collect the thingy. And so they go to find Coe, right? And uh, he's trying to give this girl his ID. And some young security guard comes up there and just gets in his face. You know, he's hard of hearing at this point. He's like 72. And so he's like, what? Are you, what? I'm trying to give her my ID. And he tries walking away. He's like, this, this young security guy's harassing me. I'm going to walk away. And then all of a sudden, two other guys in uniforms walk up and they corner Co. And he's like, he gives him the hand. He's like, like, like they, hand they, in the face. Well, they try, no, they do it to Co. They try to like, hey, stop. And he just walks around them. And so they claim uh, he was trying to like not like disorderly conduct and like disobeying a direct order and stuff. So these two guys wrestle him to the ground. He's 70 and, and pin him down. Yeah. He's 70 years old. So that's what happens in Iowa. I can just imagine David Allen Cove fighting as he's going down. Just some crazy redneck cowboy. That's like, like old man strength going fuck down. Fuck you. Like, well, it took two, two full sheriffs to take him down. Right. So all the charges are dropped though. 
um, in 2008 because Co filed a countersuit because it's all on video, man. Like I watched the security camera tape. He didn't do anything. He's trying to give his ID to this girl, and this young dude comes up and he's like, says uh, like Co Co himself in an interview says the guy told me to stand up, boy, and he's like, who are you calling boy? How big are grown men where you come from? And then who he sits you calling boy, boy? Then he sits down, and starts playing the machine again, and the young security guy just kind of gets in his face, so Co walks away. But dude. So now David has to walk with a cane and he sits down to perform and uh that's pretty much Oh, he got injured in this he, altercation. He, he's claiming he got some pretty bad banged up and so huh. everybody drops charges though. The casino drops charges, David Allen Co drops charges. Well, what well, well, how much how much money do you win? Do you do They did not like issue, 10 grand, 5 yeah, grand, 100 <laughs> bucks. Uh you either know way what? I'm getting in a fight for any of those mounts. Well, in a casino, I think in a slot machine, I think they can only pay you out like a thousand bucks out of the machine. So it had to be like over a thousand to write them a ticket, right? And, and there's probably tax deals where they, if you, whatever the amount is, you got to pay tax oh, for on sure. all that for stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And the final bit I have September 2015, David Allen Coe pleads guilty to tax evasion and uh, he stands to face three years in prison and a fine of up to $250,000. See, that was my first thought when you're talking about that casino winning it was that he didn't want to claim it <laughs> so uh, right i mean just like hey yo you you say you did this because i don't want to claim it you claim this. he goes to federal prison for three years so he doesn't have to claim like 1200 bucks on a slot machine payout maybe he didn't know that there was a video camera which you're in a casino <laughs> whatever we've all seen oceans 11 but maybe that's I, I yeah he just didn't want to claim it so he had that girl try to claim it and that's why he got in that altercation with those people that's how i'd do it that's a rough one, man. That's, I don't know. I don't know, man. David Allen Coe. He seems like a a very unique individual. Definitely an artist. He's got that whole tortured past thing, and he seems to very much be able to express himself. He did not get the credit. He wrote a ton more songs that we didn't even talk about. We focus on crime here, so that's not what we were doing. But he's credited with writing or co-writing like a bajillion of these country songs. Like People claim him... Some dude I was reading about, and feel free to write it up here, people on Twitter, but somebody claimed him as writing the perfect country song. And oh, that's, yeah. where that's where that quote comes from. He has a quote about where he's like, no, because the perfect country song would include like this and this and this and this. And he writes some words about picking up his mom when he gets out of jail, but she gets hit by a train. So Well, that was a song that we learned back in the day. I mean, playing, playing, the, playing old, old Waylon Jennings, old Johnny Cash stuff. He hung around with the legends, man. I mean, I it, was drunk the day my mom got out, out of prison, prison, and I had to pick her up in the rain. You know it, Brian. Oh, you're doing fine. <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh, yeah, did the chorus. Something, yeah, did nail the train. Something about a pickup uh, truck. Yeah, I'm a pickup truck. <laughs> got down run over by lot, the damn old train. Ugh. No, David Allen Coe, he's kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde sort of personality because he wrote a ton of just country gold songs, sang a lot of them, sold some of them, let people borrow a few of them, and then, and then had that sort of that Mr. Hyde personality where he went and did some terrible songs. I mean, they're bad. They're, they're like listening to... Um, uh, underground, like they're using, it was weird. I feel like that he should have known even back then 
saying some of the stuff he was saying in those underground stuff, it was going to sink his career. He seemed like he was smart enough to know, because, again, that controversy quote that he was talking about, he he knew that's what was going to bring him attention, because apparently he didn't have, like, I guess I would call it market appeal. If you look at the guy, he's not like a Hank Williams. He's not like a, like a country music stereotype, you know? He looks like an outlaw biker. He's wearing ripped jean vests and he's always he's got like braids in his beard and his mustache that's interesting i mean who knows if he would have stuck with the mainstream stuff would he been bigger or smaller than he is today in 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 rock history i think he could have continued with just being a music writer like he could have been probably like a top music writer for the rest of his life and made shit tons of money doing that like yeah but he wanted to perform he wanted to be in he front want- of people he wanted to push buttons and you know on the fame yeah pretty much to be on the stage i agree and to use the n-word and be some of the songs he had man so but honestly how does he claim that they weren't i'm not being racist not being against women but they were every one of those songs are terrible well it's it's shock rock country man i mean that's what him screaming jay hawkins was the same thing that guy had like the first dude to put like crosses and uh caskets and like weird macabre shit on stage to freak people out so they realized you could get people with like shock value you know like no one had done that before that was new and now we see it and we go oh you're just trying to do shock value well these are the guys who invented that so you know it was new for everybody's like oh my god that's what you're talking about yeah yeah i i I guess i see that aspect but when you created that shock value song album what have you there wasn't a real great um medium to disseminate that information i mean no you had e- to, you had to order your shit from back of magazines easy rider biker magazine yes you, what that better was, distribution route than that you're not that's not good people were not going to carry this <laughs> at stores no, no but maybe it gave them some um publicity but that's why I said I think he views himself as an artist i think he's trying to create these works and trying to just like look what i did sort of thing i mean so he's still alive today i believe so yeah he's not dead yet i'm not dead yet i wonder where he's uh living at i do not know huh i bet he's in ohio i'm imagining he is in ohio he didn't go very far from ohio depending on how this career depending on how this court case works out he'll be in ohio state penitentiary for the next (laughs) three to five years that put us up to now to 2018 so he's he's still battling he's still battling charges i couldn't find the conclusion to the trial so yeah he's in this in the thick of it still and not that long ago he was hanging out with kid rock on tour with kid rock writing songs for kid rock's albums and 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 kid rocks i mean we all know where he's got a lot of confederate flags flying at his concert but he's not blatant (laughs) i'm pretty much sure when you have confederate flags flying that's blatant i there's differing opinions on there. There's a whole state that has a Confederate flag in their state flag, so... Yeah, it's Hawaii. Oh, I think it's Georgia. And it's not Hawaii. But that's fine. All right, we're going to end this one. If you like what you heard, if you didn't, leave a review at iTunes, please. Uh, if you want to help us more than that, go to patreon.com slash crimeinmusic or get in touch with us at Twitter, Crime Music, or contact me directly at Brian J. Kinsley. And let me know what you think. Let us know if you have other people we should be looking into for crimes that happen in the music industry. Say hi or tell us anything drifting off. (laughs) 
cut their thing off. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.